Happy New Year and welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth and now that we have celebrated the coming of the Christ child into the world, what is our response as those who are following or seeking to follow? Our response is to give our lives in service and praise and study and joy and fellowship and service. But we start as we worship together today. Come on in. Our first lesson this morning is Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with his peace. This is the word of the Lord. So our second passage, as mentioned before, this is Mark's account of Jesus being baptized and see this in the chronology of our church calendar, our lectionary, our cycle. Jesus was just born. We had that at the Christmas celebration, Advent before that, the preparation. We had the 12 days of Christmas from Christmas to New Year's or to Epiphany, where we celebrated the wise men who were finally getting there. And now, after Epiphany, we come to the baptism of our Lord. So we are reading from the first chapter of Mark. It is chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. And again, we'll begin with John the Baptist as we did throughout Lent and Advent and then move right into Jesus being baptized. Mark 1, 4 through 11. Listen with fresh ears to the word of the Lord. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey, and he proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heaven torn apart and the spirit descended like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tomorrow is this year's celebration of Dr. King, uh, Martin Luther King Day. Um, Dr. King would have been 95 this year. He was born in 29, I believe. And he knew something about water. Dr. King once remarked that he and the other marchers had a common strength. He said, we went before the fire hoses. We had known water. If we were a Baptist or some other denomination, we had been immersed. If we were Methodist and some others, we had been sprinkled. But we knew water. Today we come to this passage having some sense that we too know water. It is about baptism, and baptism we know something about. But baptism is always something that we need to keep clear and in the front of who we are because it's so important for our understanding of who God is. The psalm that Alice read to you, Psalm 29, listen to this God and see if this God is a little different than you normally think of God. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name and holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And in verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. Psalm 29 is often paired with this passage from Mark on this baptism of the Lord Sunday as a reminder that we often have compartmentalized God, we have domesticated God, we have tranquilized God, we have minimized God when we think we have God all figured out. And some of that is natural. We need to have some kind of anchor and a way to understand who God is, this amazing, powerful being that is greater than we can understand. And Christ was what was given for that latch. Christ in human form, we understand that relationship. But the danger is to think of God as just our friend, our buddy who skips with us through life. This psalm is about the glory and the majesty and the power of God that controls and creates all things. That is a mystical and a powerful God that we don't often think about. Well, frankly, that's so hard to understand, and that kind of power and glory can be scary to us. We know this through the angels. Every time God appears in some form, the first thing the angels say is, do not be afraid. Why? Because it's scary. 
It's hard to see God, God's glory, God's power and might and majesty on display in front of us. And this Psalm 29 is saying, don't you forget, you people of God, that God is about glory and power and majesty. This is the God of creation who funneled down into an infant to be with us, to give us an on-ramp of some kind of relationship understanding through Christ incarnate. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. Glory thunders, mighty waters shaking the wilderness. And this is the God we want. This is the God of power who is always in control. This is the God of power who, although we look at the darkness and brokenness of the world, is never overcome. This is the creator God. And we hear a lot about the voice of God seven times in this psalm. We go back to creation. Day one, God said, let there be light. And God and the Spirit descended over the watery chaos. God's voice brought creation into being, and the Spirit was there. Where else do we see a Spirit the Holy Spirit, descend like a dove in the Old Testament. Anybody recall? Noah, I heard that's me on the ark right here. 40 days, 40 nights. At the end of that, yes, the dove came and represented this peace that there was an end to this. So now we have the original creation story where the Spirit was present and came over to organize life and order out of chaos. The flood was really the second creation story because everything except the eight that were there, Noah and his family, all started over again and the two by two on the, on the ark. And the spirit came in the midst of the chaos over the water and it was a sign that new life had begun. And today it is no different. This God whose voices is mighty over the waters, as Psalm 29 says, now comes over the waters of the Jordan. As Christ comes and arises out of the water again, the Spirit descends as if a third creation is happening, as if a third new beginning is giving to humankind from that time forward, and it is. So much so that the sky is torn Listen again. Just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove. The heavens torn apart, ripped. Can you think of another time at the other end of Jesus' ministry where the same word torn is used in a significant moment? Crucifixion, right. Well done, friends. Yes, the crucifixion when Jesus died and the darkness, some accounts, the earthquake, the curtain in the temple that separated 
All the people from God who was seen to be in that one little chamber, the Holy of Holies, where only the priests who were designated that year could go in, that curtain was torn. It's the same word. And here it is torn and the Spirit descends over Christ again, over the water, bringing new life into this time of chaos like a dove. And the voice came, you are my son, the beloved with you, I am well pleased. That voice came again later on. Does anybody remember the story? I'll give you extra marks for this. It's a little bit harder. In Mark 9, where does God speak in this way again to Jesus with other people around him? Light, light, light coming all around. Transfiguration. Yes, the transfiguration. In Mark 9, 7, Jesus goes up with Peter, James, and John to the top of the mountain, and Jesus has transfigured all of this light before him. Elijah and Moses show up. You remember, Peter says, let's stay here. I'll build some spaces for us, some booths, some temples. I'll pitch some tents for us, and we'll stay here. But in that moment, God's voice was heard again, very similarly, and said, this is my son, my beloved, except this time he said, listen to him. So the voice was as much for those around as it was for Jesus. Here at the baptism, God says, you, this is my son. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. That's directly to Christ. So in this moment of baptism, we are reminded that God is the voice over the waters. God is the voice over all creation. And we need to remember the glory and the majesty and that we not funnel God down in to something that serves us, but rather that we serve. We come to worship and we need to always be checking what is our spirit, what is our thought when we come to worship on Sunday morning. All right, let's go see what the preacher got for us this morning. Let's see what the choir's gonna do. What's Vicky? What's children's moment? What's gonna happen? How are the flowers gonna look? They look great this morning, by the way. Thank you. None of that is why we are here. We are here to worship God directly. And do we expect God to be present? An excellent question. And we sit, he's going on again, blah, 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 Jesus, blah, 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 Jesus. That's what you hear on a Sunday morning. Thank you, preach it. But God is in this place. The God whose voice shakes the wilderness, whose glory and majesty is over the waters, who created the world and you and me is here in this place and we come to worship God. That is why we're here. The worst service, the most uncomfortable service you go to, God is there. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the music, all that per se. It's not about who you're with, what you see, what you wear. We are here to worship God first and foremost. And yes, we benefit from that relationship because we are fed. We feel God's presence. 
but do we? That's a question for us. A lot of that has to do with our receptivity and our openness to God being present with us in this place and in this time. So why then does Jesus need to be baptized? Was he an awful sinner? No. Jesus, didn't, Jesus was not baptized because he was a sinner, but rather to show us what, by example, what we are being asked to do. Jesus, in his ministry, starts here with baptism, and he ends it, the Gospel of Matthew helps us with this, the very last uh, words that Jesus speaks in Matthew, Matthew 28, after he had been risen from the dead, appeared to the disciples before he ascended and went back to the heavenly kingdom, he said, go out into the world, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching all that I have taught you, and lo, I am with you to the end of the age. So it is baptism that bookends Jesus's ministry. And Jesus, in the same way, in the Apostles' Creed that we say Jesus descended into hell. Why? Because Jesus was bad? No. Jesus went there to prevent us from going there. A way to think about that is he went to lock the gates so we would not be pulled there should we believe and follow. In the same way, Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but was to show us that we too would be baptized. Our two sacraments, communion and baptism, Jesus did those things and commanded us to do it. Take this bread. Every time you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. That was a direct command. Every time you drink this cup, do so in remembrance of me. Go out into the world and baptize the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That Trinity, this place, the word Trinity is not used in the Bible, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but they're all here in Jesus' baptism. God's voice, the descending of the Spirit as a dove, and Jesus Christ all right here together. One of those few moments where the Trinity is clear and the three parts working together. So that symbolism is still true and strong. Jesus goes under the water as we do, whether we are fully immersed or sprinkled. The old life is gone when we go under, and as we emerge, we are given new life in Christ. And God's Spirit is there. And God's Spirit dwells amongst us still. And what's the very next thing that the Spirit does? Drives Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. We'll get to that in Lent. But it's the very next move. Again, that understanding that God is always for us, always working with us, but it often pushes us in ways that we may not necessarily want, which is a part of our fear of fully opening ourselves in response to what we see. But today, it is about new beginnings. As Vicki said, we don't know about Jesus' childhood. We know that one story where he was at the temple, and Joseph and Mary and their crew left and said, where's Jesus? I don't have Jesus. You have Jesus? I don't have Jesus. Where's Jesus? So they have to go back 
And Jesus is there at the temple. You should have known. I would be at my father's house. That's the only thing we know when we think he was around 11 or 12-ish. But then Jesus just re-emerges here in Mark, ready to start his ministry. And that's what this baptism is. And that's why it starts on this day. It is a new year. We have just celebrated the birth of Christ on Christmas and Epiphany as the wise men got there. And now it is the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry and it is our opportunity to know water like Dr. King was talking about. He was able to endure all of those horrors in nonviolent protest because he knew the baptismal waters of Christ first so that this water that was turned on him to harm he and those who were with him did not hurt them in a spiritual way. They were able to persist and endure because they knew water. That water is the baptismal water. And Christ then came out of the water and then, after the 40 days, went in on his ministry. Think for a minute if... Jesus would have come up out of the water, been baptized, and then went home to Nazareth. Maybe his grandmother would have cross-stitched a lovely baptism symbol with the date on it. Jesus baptized, 30. And then he always remembered that moment fondly, his conversion moment per se, none of the rest of that would have happened. In the same way, as we look at our lives with our God moments, maybe we, those are outright conversions, or maybe they're small God moments that you put together in a way that gives you what you need to have a foundation and make a decision to follow Christ. Often we take those moments and we think, yep, yeah, at that retreat, that was a special moment. I'll remember that forever. But if we don't do the part two, if we then don't respond to the gift of that moment of God with you, then it would have been like Jesus at his baptism, then just going home. What would have happened? The world would have been robbed of Jesus's ministry, of the word. And in a smaller way, but not less powerful, we too have to respond because of what we've been given so that others will know, so that others can come and be baptized, not because they won't be saved without it, but because it's their way of accepting Christ. For us, you're not saved through baptism. God loves you as much from your first heartbeat as God does after you're baptized. It is our way to claim the love that God has given us through Christ 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross and was raised. It is our way to accept that and say, yes, Lord, I believe it is an outward sign of an inner faith. And so we are to remember our baptisms. We are to remember those vows that either were taken on our behalf or who we took on the behalf of others or took directly ourselves if we were old enough. Congregation, every time we have a baptism, I ask you to stand 
and make a vow to nurture and help raise whatever age child, youth, adult is here. So far, you've agreed to do that every time. Good for you. But baptism means something, and the vows we take mean something. And today, it is new life in Christ. It is a new year. We are being called to start again. We are being called to rededicate ourselves to the work and ministry of Jesus Christ through the reaffirmation of baptism we will do in just a moment. It is January. It is the beginning of Christ's earthly ministry in the chronological order of the Bible, and it is our chance to start again. No matter how close we feel like we walk with Christ or how far away, this is a time to open our hearts, to pledge ourselves again to Christ. To know that this God that shakes the wilderness, who is mighty over the waters, that from creation one, the first day of creation, from two, from the flood, and now in this baptism and in yours, God is doing a new thing with you should we desire and allow God in and to do that and to transform us and to say something is starting new and I'm going to be a part of that or you shut it out and we continue to do business as usual, not expecting God to be present in worship in your life or in the world. That is a horrible way to live. That is not God's desire for you, for any of us. So today we start again through these baptismal waters. And it's an amazing new start.